All right, we are speaking to Ho Zi, who's a lawyer from Chen and Co. And we'll be talking about child abuse today. It's a very heavy topic, but we want to see how, from the eyes of the law, what actually constitutes child abuse. So, Zi, when we talk about child abuse, we know that it involves an adult, right? Physically inciting hurt on a minor. What else constitutes child abuse in the eyes of the law? Okay, whatever I say in this interview, it's only my personal opinion. It doesn't reflect my firm. Okay, so child abuse basically means that a parent or any other person inflict emotional or physical injuries to a child. So other than the most common form of physical form of abuse, it also includes sexual abuse, emotional abuse and also child neglect. So under the law, uh, physical abuse means that a parent or any other person will cause, physically cause a child to suffer substantial and observable injuries. For example, like bruises, laceration, scar, burn, or bone fracture. So for emotional abuse, it means that the parent or any other person inflicts substantial or observable impairment to the child's mental or behavioral functioning. Mm. So it can be evidenced by a mental disorder, depression, anxiety, or some... That one's a little yes. bit harder to gauge, yes, right? It's yeah. like uh, you need medical evidence to show that these are the emotional injuries suffered by the child as a result of the abuse. Mm. So it can happen when a parent, for example, always use threats to incur fear on the child. So it caused them to have some emotional injuries. But we had yeah. threats when we were younger. I mean, like, yes, the, if you don't common. do your homework uh, and something will happen to you, that's technically a threat, isn't it? Yes, that's a threat. So if it's like a common threat, then it should be fine. But if like a long-term threat, like if you don't do your homework, I will not give you any food. And it's like, I will kick you out of the house. And then it's like a constantly causing fear on the child and that it may constitute an emotional abuse. Now let's look at different scenarios that we have personally encountered right. when we were children yeah. and, and maybe we can gauge whether or not it is considered abuse in the eyes of the law. Now, uh, using a cane to discipline your child when he or she has done something really bad. Okay, yeah, so yeah. Yeah, basically, uh, this yeah, is a yeah. kind of physical abuse, right? So under the Child Act, uh, Section 17, so it says that if physical abuse happens when there is substantial and observable injury, it means that it has to be serious. So if like a bruises, just like one slight cane with reasonable force, it may not constitute an abuse. But if like a very heavy caning, like constantly frequently caning until there are bruises and bleeding all over the bodies, then it is more likely to be considered as abuse. So it's a question of seriousness and also frequency of the behaviour. How about scolding and screaming at your child in a public space? Uh, that's quite common. Yeah, we've seen a lot of <laughs> yeah. that, especially in malls or like you know yeah. and it's very much an Asian parent <laughs> way of disciplining kids isn't it yes that's quite true so for this kind of uh, behaviour it's very hard to say whether or not it is an acceptable behaviour or it is a kind of abuse so if this happens quite frequently and it causes the child to suffer some kind of emotional injuries then it may be considered as an abuse well if this happens in a long run you know yeah. like you get the child gets embarrassed constantly constantly I think it will be considered as abuse because emotionally that child is scarred. Yeah, and yeah. in distress constantly, right? Yeah. How about 
pulling a child's ear until it's red. Okay, this sounds quite mild, right? Yeah. So because it has to be substantial observable injury. So if the mark is just like red and then it's going to be gone in the next two minutes, I would say it's unlikely to be considered as an abuse mm. as compared to like serious bruises. Like unless yeah. you pull their ear until it's bleeding, bleeding, and right, right, the ear okay. comes off. Yeah, that's just not discipline. That's like physical harm already. That's right. Yeah. Okay. How about smacking a child with your hands and leaving a mark? That's okay. Again, the question is on the facts. So the court will generally consider the facts and the circumstances to decide whether or not a certain behavior is acceptable discipline measures or it's a kind of abuse. So smacking a child once in a while with reasonable force with valid reason it may not be considered as an abuse. But if it's very serious, then it will considered as an abuse. So, like you mentioned earlier, it must be done over a prolonged period of time for it to be considered an abuse. For example, slapping a child every day versus slapping a child once in a while. It's okay? Like, if it's done every day, then it becomes abuse? Yeah, like, um, how many times must you commit an act before it's considered abuse? Okay, this is a very interesting question because there's no specific definition or precise definition saying that how many times you have to commit in order to become an abuse. And and sometimes it can be only happens once, but it is very serious until the child hospitalized. It also can become an abuse. Mm. So it's a question of the frequency, but also the seriousness of the behavior. Because yes. if you put a number to it, let's just say if you slap your kid 10 times in a week, then... Yeah, you can't really yeah. put a figure to it like, oh, okay, it's reasonable to hit a child five times, but it's not reasonable to hit a child six times. Yeah. Like you can't put a figure mm. on it. Okay. So we must look at the severity of it as well. Yes. La. But in the end, the courts will still decide, right? For example, out of rage or out of wanting to discipline your child, hit your child until he is hospitalized, for example. Will the courts see it as a, hey, this is only a one-time occurrence and let the parents off? If the child is already hospitalized, I think it can be very serious. If it falls under the section of the child abuse, under section 31 of the Child Act, then the parents can be liable for this one-time incident, okay. which there are cases on this. One of the childcare provider actually put chili on the child's mouth to stop him from crying because he's very naughty and I keep making noise. It's just one time, but because it's very serious, therefore it is an abuse. So that, that yeah. childcare provider was child. Yes, correct. Wow, oh. the 80s would have been so different <laughs> had this laws been introduced, man, because the chili thing was such a standard. I think the laws has been there for quite some time now, I think. It's just more of people being aware of it yeah. and people reporting it, right? Because yeah. I remember you said in one of your articles that you wrote that not reporting a child abuse case is yes. also considered child abuse. It's not considered child abuse, but it considered an offence under the Child Act. I see. Yes. So under the Child Act, there's a mandatory requirement for three categories of people to report child abuse. So these three people are first, the doctor, medical practitioner, second, family member, and third, child care provider. So if you fall under these three groups of people, then you must report suspected child abuse. So if parents that are charged with child abuse and they get jail time, what happens to the child? You know, does the child get taken away from them? Does the child get put in an orphanage? And also, do the abusive parents get rehab? Okay, so if a parent was found guilty for abusing the kids, then the court actually has a wide power to grant different types of order. So other than fine and imprisonment, which we mentioned earlier, the court can also order a good bond behaviour. 
So good bond behavior means that the parents do not have to serve any imprisonment. They can go back home and assume responsibility of their parenting. So they can still take care of their children, but over a certain period of time, they will have some certain condition to comply with. They cannot hit the children. They should be supervised by an officer based on this condition, so they can go home. So there's no rehab. For rehabilitation, as far as I'm aware of, Malaysia doesn't have a specific rehab program for these abusive parents. But if they are like substance abuse or like drug abuse, then there may be a rehabilitation for them. So that the children are taken away from them, not case to case, not right? all the time, lah. Sometimes, yes, they get good bond behavior. Right, right. Behavior, yeah. So uh, there's a case law. So in that particular case, the court found that. It's not very serious, and normally the court take into the welfare of the children when deciding what sentence to pass. So the court thinks that if the parent go to a long jail imprisonment, then the family will not have financial support, oh, and then right, it right. will affect the bond between the daughter and the father. So the court said that in these circumstances, the best sentence is to give them a good bond behavior. Right. Mm, okay. Interesting. Now, there are different kinds of abuse that like you you mentioned, right? Yes. At correct. what point do the court say no? You're not going near a kid. Ever again. That must be very, very serious. For example, the court thinks that he's just an unfit person to become a parent. He will just continue to be very abusive, and then there's no chance that he's going to become so better. So it's like a no. very extreme situation. Okay. Mm. But will these parents be allowed? To have children after, like, for example, if they go to jail for ten years after yeah. abusing all three of their children, like when they come out of jail after ten years, are they allowed to have more children or are they not? If I, I'm aware, the mm. judge won't make an order that you cannot have children anymore mm. in your life. That there's no this kind of power of the court. I see. Yeah. Let's get to child sexual abuse. So, what is the correct procedure if you find out that a child has been sexually abused? Okay, first of all, child sexual abuse there are different types. So, include child pornographic, child grooming, and also sexual assault against a child. So, for all these type of abuse, if you suspect there's a case, then the first thing you have to do is to make a police report. So, after the police report, the police will open a file and start to investigate the matter. So they will collect evidence. For example, they will ask witnesses, neighbors, and also ask the child to go to child interview center to record a statement of the child. Mm. So they will collect evidence and then they will pass to the deputy public prosecutor to see if there's a case on this. If there's not enough evidence, then they may not charge the perpetrator. If there is, then the perpetrator will be charged in the court. If it's a sexual abuse, yeah, do the child need to go to the hospital for a checkup, that kind of thing? Yes, this is part of the process. When they collect evidence, so the child will not only go for the interview; they also go for medical checkup to see if there's any evidence of abuse. Most of the time, people re- just refuse to report child abuse. I think this is a very common problem. They just think that um, this their internal problem, their own family problem. But actually, in nowadays, we we want to protect vulnerable children, so yeah. it's always advisable for the public to. Report any suspected child abuse. How about yeah. like as, for example, a mother? You see your husband abusing your child, yeah, and you can't do anything about it because he is the sole breadwinner of the family. This is also very common. So in such circumstances, we always advise that the other parent uh, must be brave to report this 
and to bring the child away from the abusive parents because this is not good for the child in the long run anyway. How often have you heard kids claiming that they've been abused physically or whatnot by their parents and it turns out that they weren't? How many times did the court find, okay, no, the parents were just disciplining you? Right? Or they make up stories. They make up stories, yeah. right? How often does that happen here? Mostly, if it's only the child's evidence saying that they have been abused, under the Evidence Act, the court won't, based on the child's evidence or the child's testimony, to convict a parent. So there must be other evidence that show that this parent actually is an abusive parent. So the court will consider all the evidence.